Well, good morning one more time. My name is Nick, and I cannot think of a place that I would rather be than right here with you guys. We had an incredible, incredible 9 o'clock worship gathering, and I could hear you from the back as I was changing clothes. You guys were worshiping as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. I actually texted um, a pastor friend of mine who is preaching this morning as well this morning, and I said, we have an incredible privilege of preaching God's word today and it is going to be fun and so I am so glad and I cannot think of a better day to be up here preaching than a day when we had those testimonies we also had testimonies in the first service and we're going to honor our seniors a little bit later in our worship gathering as well so let me just say a, a word about our seniors we have nine seniors that we're going to honor this morning and I have had the privilege of baptizing several of those I think that's the last group that had me take them to uh, kids camp and experienced me at kids camp before we hired uh, children's ministers and uh, and so I have go back way back with these students and we have made lots and lots of memories through the years. HCSM, what we call Holland Chapel Student Ministry, uh, over their six or seven years of here, being here has literally doubled in attendance and I think it's because of their enthusiasm, their faithfulness, their energy and just their love for Jesus. This group of seniors, they've raised over the years $60,000 through service projects to serve in Cleveland, Indianapolis, Houston, Louisville, New Jersey, Oklahoma City, and right here in Benton. And when I think of a word that, des that describes this senior class, I think of faithful. They, they were a faithful bunch. They were here. They, they finished well. They, were, they stayed involved in church. They expressed their love for the Lord in student ministry. And they are a faithful, faithful bunch. And so I'm so excited that you guys get to honor them later this morning. We celebrated them a few Wednesday nights ago with our students and had a packed house in here as we honored them that night. And I'm so glad that you're going to help us honor them again in just a little while. But first, we are back in our series, Lessons from the Wilderness. And if you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Numbers. And immediately, that sounds kind of odd. We're talking about a book of math, a numbers book, and we're talking about lessons from the wilderness. But if you didn't know, the word numbers in Hebrew literally means in the wilderness. And it's a story. The book of Numbers is a story of a long road trip of the Israelites through the wilderness. Last week, Pastor Keaton preached to us, bless his heart. No, ah, okay, some of you got it. If you, uh, I'm not bringing you a casserole, by the way, that's not the definition of bringing you a casserole. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen or watch the sermon last week. Keaton talked about the phrase, bless your heart. And so I want to throw a little shot there at Keaton. I love working with this bunch of pastors, and one of my favorite things to do is to share the sermon before we share the sermon in our offices, and uh, I love hearing Keaton's sermon before he brings it to you guys, and I love going in there, and he knows when I carry my Bible and I plop down on his, on his couch that I'm going to be there for a while because I'm about to preach him the sermon that you're about to hear as well. We love serving here at Holland Chapel together, but Keaton reminded us of our blessing that we see in Numbers 6, and our ultimate blessing, Jesus. It was a wonderful reminder, and God continues in chapters 7 and 8 to give instructions to the Israelites through Moses. And then in chapter 9, they observed their first Passover since leaving Egypt. And that's where we're going to be this morning at the back half of chapter 9. So if you'll open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 9, we're going to be studying from there this morning. And while you go there, I want to talk about road trips. Some of you are getting ready to go on a road trip as summertime approaches, and lots of planning, lots of factors go into a road trip, things like what time do we need to leave? What time are we going to arrive? How to miss the traffic? Don't go through Saline County. 
Where are the bathroom stops along the way? You plan these factors before you head out on a road trip. Does the time change on the way to get there? We were talk talking to our daughter last night. My daughter's 10. And uh, we were talking about going to, on vacation a couple of weeks down to Florida. And we, she wanted to know why we have to leave so early in the morning. I said, because the time changes. She said, we're going around the world? No, we're just going to Florida. But the time changes. And it's a factor that you have to deal with. You have to know these things when you plan these trips. What's the fastest route? Definitely not the I-40 bridge in Memphis, right? You have to know where you're going and plan it out. Well, the Israelites didn't have to worry about any of those factors. And we see in Numbers chapter 9, why? Because it's described how this long road trip of theirs was directed in Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Let's look there for a moment, and then we'll start to say camp out, but that would be too, be too easy. I actually did say it, though, didn't I? Sorry. It was in my head. Numbers, 15, Numbers 9, chapter, verse 15. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern at night. The cloud that covered the tabernacle had appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Sounds like a song we sang this morning. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. They didn't have to plan. They didn't have to worry about these factors. They didn't have to worry about, is there a time change? Or what time are we leaving in the morning? Or what time are we going to arrive? Because they had no warning. When the cloud or the fire moved, they moved. There was a low cloud over the tabernacle, the sacred tent. And at night, that would be a pillar of fire. And at certain times, it would lift and it would lead the Israelites. A trumpet would blow uh, inside the camp and the people would follow. No planning necessary. Sounds kind of convenient until we talk about some of the hardships they dealt with in a few minutes, but they didn't have to plan it out. They just literally obeyed. And you might say, well, why didn't God just tell Moses? Why didn't God whisper into Moses' tent the night before, Moses, tomorrow we're leaving, or Moses, lead the people out? Or why did he, why did he use a cloud or fire? Well, I believe he used those things because he knew that the people needed to see their leader. They needed to see who they were following. They needed to see him. One commentator said the cloud and fire were not merely natural phenomena. They were the vehicle of God's presence and the visible evidence of his moving and directing his people. That was God's way of saying, I'm here, I'm with you, and I'm going to lead you. And so that's why God chose the cloud and the fire. And they would lift, it would move, and the people would follow. They didn't have to do any of the planning. They just obeyed. Sounds pretty simple, right? Like, you see it, you go. That sounds pretty simple. When the cloud moves, move. When the fire moves, move. It sounds like a lot like the, these signs that direct us from time to time on the roads. You see signs like this all over the roads as we go into work, to school, wherever we're going, we see these signs and we obey. Those signs direct us on the road. But did you know that God gives us similar signs in his word when it comes to decision-making in life. Similar signs throughout God's word that help us move throughout life. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In my mind, I think of it like God's word 
out there like that cloud, like that fire, lighting the path before me as I go. God's word is a lamp to light your path. Very similar to the cloud or the fire. Just like the road signs, God's word can give direction for our lives. Sometimes, though, we run through that direction. I think of the Dukes of Hazard, the Duke boys, running through one of those road signs into a bridge that's out. They would run through the signs, and sometimes that's the way we are in life, right? Sometimes we run through those warning signs. We never seem to have as smooth of a landing as they do, though. They would always just drive away. When we disobey, it hurts. It hurts. It's not a smooth, keep-on-going landing. So what's the difference? Why, why is it so easy to obey those signs, or those signs, I'm looking at them that way, those signs, and it's difficult sometimes to obey this warning? I, I think of a couple of reasons. I, I've got a couple of suspicions here. I think one of them is the knowledge of the signs. I think that one reason we obey those street signs is because we know what they mean. We know that a stop sign means stop. We know that a yellow light means, well, how many of you see speed up? How many of you see, speed, see slow down? We know what a detour sign means. But it's hard to follow instruction when we haven't read the instructions. Knowledge of the signs is a problem. It's hard to follow God's word when we haven't been in God's word. You may be struggling with a decision that seems difficult, but when held up to God's word, it's pretty clear. I think knowledge of the signs is one reason why it's easier to follow those street signs than it is to follow God's guidance sometimes. The other one is I, I believe it's a fear of the law. You see, I really believe that if I'm caught driving 25 miles an hour over the speed limit, that I'm going to go to jail. I really believe that. Maybe it's because when I was 16 out there at Riverside Grocery at that straight stretch, I tested it. I went 24, and he told me, one more mile an hour, son, and you'd be in the back of my car. Now, I don't test it anymore. Don't, I'm not saying that I drive 17 or 18 or 19 miles an hour over the speed limit, but I believe at a certain limit you're going to jail. And I believe if I run that stoplight that I'm going to get a picture in the mail with my face on it and my, and my license plate, and I'm going to get a ticket. I believe that that's going to happen. I have a fear of the law. But what's it going to take for us to believe that God's commands are really commands? We, we, we fear those signs, but we don't fear these signs, these warnings, this God path, this God book. To believe that these directions, this instruction is not just a suggestion, but it's a guide book given to us by our creator. What's it going to take? Knowledge of the signs, fear of the law, I think that's why this is a difficult thing. Sometimes it requires a, a rough landing running through one of those warning signs, one of those instructions of God to get our attention. But it doesn't have to. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us why we're in the book of Numbers, this series. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. He goes on to say that's a warning to us. You see, following wouldn't be easy for the Israelites, but at least early on in their journey they obeyed. And there's lessons that we can learn there. There's lessons that we can learn about their obedience. Look again in Numbers chapter 9. This time look at verse number 19. And let's learn some lessons. I think this, 
I think this message goes along great with Senior Sunday. They're looking at the next stage of their life, the next phase of their life. They're looking for God's direction, but I think it applies to every adult in the room as well. And I think you're going to see that as we learn some lessons from the Israelites this morning. Numbers chapter 9, verse 19. It says, If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. They stayed when they needed to stay. But looking at verse 19, they didn't just sit around. Look at verse 19. It says, if the the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. They stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. They obeyed while they were waiting. They obeyed while they were waiting on their next move. We had a series with our students a couple of years ago called Clear Vision in a Blurry World. And we led and concluded every lesson with this statement. I said, we hope that each week, You learn or are reminded of something that you know you need to be doing. And while God's plan for you is unfolding, you will do that. Obey while you're waiting. You may not know what the next five years hold. You may not know what the next year holds. You may not know what the next month holds. But there are things in God's word that we are to be doing. And so obey while you're waiting. Learn what that thing is. Do that one thing while you wait. The Israelites, they obeyed. It says that they performed their duty to the Lord while that cloud was hovering. I'm going to share this with a a story with you. Has anybody, anybody ever been hired for a job that you didn't apply to by someone you had never met? Anybody in the room? I'm going to share a story. I don't think I've ever shared this from the stage, and it's because I don't want any, I don't want anything to, I don't want it to sound like there's anything special that I did. I just want you to learn this lesson of waiting. This is completely a God story. But about 20 years ago, I was in college in Jonesboro. We were involved in campus ministry. And I got uh, involved in the MBSF there. And we would go from church to church to church. And we would uh, go around and gain support and tell this church what we were doing and what God was doing on that campus. And, and they would send us $50 a month. And we would just go all over the place meeting sweet, sweet people who loved the Lord. And it was at that time in my life that I really felt called by the Lord to serve in his church. I didn't know what that looked like. There was not a come down to the altar and surrender to ministry moment. I just knew that God wanted me to serve him through the church. And so time moved on. We, we left Jonesboro. We came back to Benton. Didn't really have a career plan, didn't have a career path. Uh, but I knew what God's word said about serving, and I knew I was called to serve the Lord. And so I came here to Holland Chapel and my wife and I, and we, we served, and we were teaching Sunday school, and we were directing Awana and, and doing just everything that you could do to serve here at the church. Well, about five years go by, and my, pa- my youth pastor moved on. He moved to, uh, out of town, and at the same time, Holland Chapel was looking for a lead pastor. 
when we called a lead pastor, his name was Jason Talent, and, uh, and one day I got a phone call from a man I had never met, never met Jason Talent before, and he calls me up and he says, is this Nick Calloway? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, well, as you know, we're looking for a student pastor, and um, some of the people from the church told me that you might be interested in doing that. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I would. Uh, you know, I'll get back with you soon, and we let some time pass, and uh, Long story short, I, I, I started that summer, worked part-time that summer. We became fast friends, and in the fall, Holland Chapel hired me full-time, and I've uh, been here for 15 years, and I didn't even apply for the job. Listen, I was waiting. I was being obedient while I was waiting. I, I was doing what I knew the Bible told me to do. That's not anything special that I did. I, God had a plan, and I just needed to be there where he could use me when he was ready to use me. Stay and perform your duty to the Lord. Do you think God's going to give you a green light or reveal what he has in store for you next if you're not performing your current duty? There's things in God's word that we know we need to be doing. And you can't expect God to bless or to move you to the next stage if you aren't doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. That involves, it requires knowledge of the, knowledge of the signs. And it involves knowledge of the word. Someone said this, think less of where we need to go next and more of what to do now. So much we're looking out, we're looking out. What's next? What's next? Well, what am I supposed to be doing now? Why does God have me here? Who is God asking me to reach where I'm at? Johnny Couples said, a man who walks with God is going in the right direction. You may not think you're moving anywhere, but if you're walking with God, you're going in the right direction. I love that. A man who walks with God is going in the right direction. Look at verse 20. The Israelites obeyed while they waited. But look at verse 20. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then, at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. And he adds this. Sometimes the cloud would stay only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Remember, we're talking about over a million people traveling here. And I can't help but get tickled about this uh, verse 21, because think about how many times they had just rolled into camp. And the dad's thinking, okay, now I get to take a break. And then the cloud moves again, <laughs> and you got to go again. Anybody in here like to camp? Anybody in here like to pack up camp? <laughs> The Israelites obeyed when it was hard. They obeyed when it was hard. I imagine every family probably had a campsite. And the back of that million people was just rolling into camp. And they just put their stuff down. And there it goes again. <laughs> it's time to go again. But it says they obeyed. They obeyed when it was hard. I imagine some of them said, but Moses, we just got here. Give me a break. Let me take a nap. But they obeyed when it was hard. Sometimes you're going to find things in Scripture that call you to take a detour, to add something to your life, to subtract something from your life. We have to obey when it's hard. I've heard of followers of Jesus that come to know Jesus and realize that their job is not honoring to the Lord, so they have to change jobs. I've heard of boyfriends or girlfriends leaving relationships for the same reason, because their relationship isn't honoring to the Lord. Hurts, habits, hang-ups that you find out that need to be dealt with. It's hard to do. Change is hard. The, the Israelites obeyed when it was hard, though. 
Paul, one that you would think, surely he had this mastered. He describes this struggle in Romans chapter 7. If you ever want to realize that you're not alone in this and that even Paul struggled with it, go read Romans chapter 7 where he says, the things that I want to do, I, don't, I find myself not doing, and the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. It's a struggle. It's hard. But sometimes you have to break camp and move on. You have to obey when it's hard. When you find something in Scripture that you're supposed to be doing or the Holy Spirit convicts you about something that needs to happen in your life, you have to obey when it's hard. Look at verse 21 and 22. But day or night when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp. And did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. This says that some of those campsites were a little comfortable. Right? They were there for a year. Sometimes they got settled in real good. They may have liked that. It was near water. Or it was a, a beautiful scene. Or they liked who their campsite neighbor was. They, they, they liked it. But it says as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. They obeyed without hesitation. When God reveals something to you through his word, we have to act. Here we call it ways to respond at the end of each of our messages. We say there are ways to respond. We want you to respond, to act, to not hesitate. The Israelites, even when they got settled in good and they just needed a break, that cloud lifted and they moved on without hesitation. Do you know when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was in Scripture, he responded with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And knowing that nothing is out of place in this book, an author by the name of Mark Batterson suggests that the mind is listed last because if it was first, we'd talk ourselves out of obedience a lot of times. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How many of you are like me, and if it was the other way around, your mind would say, well, I don't, I don't know if that's really what that's supposed to be. I don't really know if... Surely that's not what God means. That's too hard. Or maybe I'll just wait here a little while. And your mind would talk you out of a lot of obedience if it was the other way around. I think that God knew, Jesus knew what he was doing when he put them in that order. When you get a green light, go. If opportunity is knocking and you've looked at it under the light of Scripture, under the light of God's Word, God's opened that door and walked through it. Maybe my favorite thing about this Israelite story though is that they moved not knowing where they were going nowhere in here does it say cloud lifts you're going to go this far and then you're going to stop or you're going to go this far you're going to go to this place they don't know where they're going but they knew who was with them that's why I asked Keaton to tag that line on the end of one of those songs wherever he leads I'll go it says wherever he leads I'll go here's the important part it says I'll follow my Christ who loves me so that's the key Follow Christ who loves you so. When you realize how much God loves you, why wouldn't you follow him? I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. They knew who was leading them. They knew who, that, they, that he had a plan, that he, he had their best interest in mind. And when we realize that, obedience is a lot easier. Following those, that guidebook, following those signs is a lot easier when you know I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. As soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. How were they able to do that over and over and over again? They would stop there, then they would, it would lift and they would move. And it would say, as soon as it lifted, they would move over and over again. They were ready. They stayed ready. 
So you've got to be connected to the vine. You've got to be talking to God. You've got to be worshiping. You've got to be in tune with the Lord so you can be ready when God tells you something. They stayed ready. Maybe you're like me and you tend to get comfortable. Or maybe you get distracted or maybe you lose focus. I wonder when I read a story about this, how, about some other possibilities and how many people may have missed this. And I wonder how many people missed that trumpet sound because they were too far out of camp, wandering around. Or I wonder who didn't see the cloud rise because they weren't where they were supposed to be. They were taught, caught dragging their stuff behind because they weren't ready when it was time to move. I wonder how many people stayed behind thinking this was as good as it gets. They got comfortable. And they said, this is as good as it gets. We're not going any farther because they didn't know what God had in store. I think that's like us sometimes. Sometimes we're not ready. Sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we're wandering around. We've got to stay in God's word, stay connected to the vine. Psalm 143, verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. The Israelites had a cloud and had fire. We have God's word and the Holy Spirit. We have God with us too. He says, may your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. Galatians 5 says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We just covered this verse with our students about a month ago. Let us follow the Lord's Spirit in every part of our lives. Not just the ones that, we are, that we're comfortable with, that we know He's not going to mess up too much. Let us follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. Let us have knowledge of the Word. Obey in the waiting. Obey when it's hard. Obey without hesitation. And to do that, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to move. You can't be wandering around. You can't be disconnected from the vine. You got to be in a relationship with Jesus to hear and to know where He's leading you to go next. We have something pretty similar in uh, common with the Israelites. They were moving from place to place. None of those destinations would be their final destination until they got to the promised land. We're moving around city to city, place to place, job to job, still waiting on our final destination as well. You see, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we have a final destination in heaven. And the Bible says we have to be ready, not just for that next move here, not just for that next decision, but for eternity. Matthew 24 says, You must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. We asked that question a few weeks ago. Cooper said, I'm not ready, but I want to be. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? I'll tell you who is. Cooper, Melania, Kylie Joe, Gavin. They've told you this morning they're ready. They came to a place in their life where they realized that they had a problem, and it was called sin. The Bible says that everybody's sin. And that sin separates us from God, but God loves us so much. Remember Christ who loves me so. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to live perfectly and to die, to pay for my sins and for your sins. The Bible says if we just simply confess with our mouth our sins, repent and believe in Jesus, we will be saved and we will be ready. This morning there are some ways that you can respond here at Holland Chapel one of which we would invite you to be ready 
to meet Jesus because we already talked about taking this book seriously. And it says he's coming back. May we not take it lightly. It's truth. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? If you need to talk to someone today about that, there's going to be some friends back at the Connect Corner. They would love to talk with you about how Jesus Christ can change your life. They would love to pray with you. They would love to help you make any next steps. Maybe you need to follow Jesus in baptism. We would love for you to have a conversation with them as we get ready to dismiss this morning. You can also drop in those Connect cards in the offering boxes. We want to connect with you and your family. We want to know how we can pray for you. If there's something that you want us to hold you accountable to, you say, I, I think God's called me to do this. We want to be there to spur you on. We want to be there to help you. Please drop in those Connect cards. But everybody in the room can respond by committing to obedience, by getting to know God's Word, by listening to the Spirit as it leads us. Commit to obey when it's hard, to obey without hesitation, to obey while you're waiting. Don't be so focused on what's next that you miss what God wants you to do in the here and now. Respond to God this morning. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the journey that the Israelites made that we can learn from. Lord, I pray that you would help us to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to push one another to obedience. Lord, we thank you for those that have placed their faith in you and that have followed in baptism this morning. And I pray for others that need to take that next step. Maybe that's what they need to do today. But I pray that everybody in the room would look to what it is that you would have them to do in the here and now. That we would wait patiently. And then when the time comes that we would act, that we would do it without hesitation, that we would do it no matter how hard it is. Because you, Lord, are the one who loves us so. Please be magnified this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.